0: Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of First Peter. We are continuing our study of First Peter this morning, and as we have pointed out, First Peter begins in uh, chapter one with a greeting and then uh, a blessing that is given to the church speaking over them what the Lord has done through Jesus Christ to call us out of death in our sin to new life in Jesus Christ, even that the Father has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The foundation, the theological foundation upon which we place our hope for eternal life is laid out for us. As we continue through chapter 1, starting in verse 13, you might even have a heading there in your Bible that says, called to be holy. Really, the rest of the book of First Peter is outlining for us what it means to live as a holy people before the Lord. And this morning, as we turn our attention to verses 18 through 21, we will see the foundation and the hope that we have to grow in holiness. So let us turn our attention now to God's word. We'll begin in verse 13 of chapter one and read to the, uh, through verse 21. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully so that your faith and hope are in God. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us go to Him now in prayer. Father God, we call out to You this morning asking that by the merits of Christ and by the power of Your Spirit, You might enlighten our minds and a knowledge of Your will for us. That as we take time to meditate upon Your word, that these words would go from just words in our mind and they would be poured into our hearts, that we might practice them in our lives. And we pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen. Do we have any hope of being holy in this life? Last week we spoke of the call that every Christian has upon their life to be holy As the Lord is holy. Holiness is the family resemblance, as it were. It is what we are called to be. Yet anyone who has seriously taken up the call to holiness knows that it can feel unattainable. You might say, I've tried to be holy. I've tried to follow God's word. I've tried to pray and love my neighbor as myself. I've tried to be humble. I've tried to show mercy to those who have offended me. I've attempted to keep my eyes and heart pure from lust. But every day I seem to fail in this pursuit of holiness. When I was in middle school, I thought that I at least had a shot at playing basketball in the NBA. First, all right, then, <laughs> then I got cut from my seventh grade team in eighth grade. I made the team, but we weren't very good by high school. I lowered my expectations and just wanted the humble achievement of playing at a major NCAA program. But then I wasn't even the best on my JV team. And once I made varsity, I started but was never the star. And by my senior year, I realized that I could be an okay high school basketball player. But the reality of my size, skill, and athleticism meant that I would never be much more than that. The more I tried, the further I progressed, the more I realized how unattainable my initial desire was. And I'm sure that each of you have had similar desires, good desires, goals that you hope to achieve, but over time came to the realization that everything cannot be gained through sheer will and determination. You might have said, you know, I am going to be the perfect parent or I'm always going to eat healthful foods. I am going to get a full scholarship to an Ivy League school. I'm going to run a five-minute mile. I'm going to pay off all my debts in less than a year. Good goals. Things to strive for. But then the realities of life set in and the hope that these goals will be achieved is eroded away until you come to the inevitable conclusion that there are some things that are just unattainable. And because we live in a world like this, A world with limitations. A world in which we try and we fail. I think there are times when we come to the call to holiness and think of it as something that is out of our grasp. Holiness is for superstar Christians. Holiness is for saints. It's for monks. It's for missionaries. Maybe pastors. You say, I live in the real world. A world that is very secular. A world where action is needed and holiness is foreign. I tried to be holy, but the more I tried and the more I strained after Christ's likeness, the more it became apparent that holiness was just not going to happen in my life. It was unattainable. I'll do the best that I can, but in the end, there's no real hope that I will be holy But the Word of God is telling us a much different story this morning. For the Word of God is revealing to us that there is a hope for holiness. While there is no promise that you will be an athletic superstar, or the perfect parent, or an academic genius, there is a promise that all of those who hope in Christ will be holy. That it is not just the domain of those that we would deem superstar Christians or the spiritual elites, but holiness is the possession of all those who are in Christ. And while the struggle towards holiness is real, the hope of holiness is real as well. The Apostle Peter, writing to the church in the first century, explains that the hope of holiness is not based upon personal obedience, but rather the hope of holiness is based upon the work of Jesus Christ alone. Or to say it another way, the hope of growing in holiness is rooted not in our power, but in the powerful, powerful blood of Jesus Christ alone. Now the first way that we see the blood of Christ as the hope of holiness is that the blood of Christ frees us from the power of sin. There is a hope of holiness because the blood of Jesus Christ is the power to free us from the dominion of sin. Look at verse 18 and then into 19. There we read, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now, obviously, our verse begins in the middle of a thought, a thought that began in verses 14 through 17, namely that we are to pursue holiness as the result of our adoption into the family of God, that we are to be holy as our heavenly father is holy. But how? How is that to be accomplished? What power do we have to be like God our Father? Well, as verse 18 says, By knowing that you were ransomed by the blood of Jesus. That is how we grow in holiness. By coming to the realization, by being enlightened to the truth that we have been purchased out of sin into holiness. That word ransom means to be bought with a price. It's often used of slaves who were purchased out of slavery into freedom. And it is this language that the Lord uses to describe His own rescuing of Israel out of Egypt. In the book of Exodus we read, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem or ransom you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And what Peter is communicating here to us is that we have a hope of holiness because the blood of Jesus delivers us out of slavery from the futile ways, the empty, the vain ways of our forefathers. The death of Jesus Christ and the pouring out of His blood has accomplished a work of deliverance such that all who are in Christ are free from the burden and power and dominion of sin. Prior to the work of Christ, we were under sin's authority. We belong to sin. We belong to Satan. We belong to death. Those were our taskmasters. That is who we belong to. It was what we were born into and is what we practiced in our lives. But the blood of Jesus redeems us. It ransoms us from our slavery to sin so that now we belong to the Lord. And because you belong to the Lord, you are holy and you are free to be holy. Imagine it this way. When Jesus redeems one of his people by his blood, He purchases their freedom so that they can be a citizen in a new country, the heavenly country. And that citizenship is conferred as an objective reality. Just as most of you in this room were given U.S. citizenship by the fact of your birth, and then you are called American, so by the fact of your new birth through Christ, you are given citizenship in the heavenly country, and you are called holy. However, you still need to grow into your new citizenship. You need to adapt to the new culture of holiness. And the blood of Jesus Christ not only confers upon you a status of holy, but it also frees you from the forces of sin so that you can grow to be more and more holy. Because the blood of Jesus has ransomed you, you now have the power to grow in holiness. You see, what the verse calls the futile ways of our forefathers. That was the culture of sin that we were brought up in, that we were enslaved to. It's what we practiced. It was what our habits were. They were sinful. They were empty. They were vain. But what the Bible is teaching us this morning is that because the blood of Jesus Christ was poured out on our behalf, because we have been ransomed out of the dominion of sin, we now are free from sin and And we can begin to grow in holiness. We can begin to grow as one who is a citizen of the world that is to come. I think that we are quick to state that, well, you know, well, of course we cannot be completely free of sinful practices while we are here on earth. And that is true. We will continue to struggle with sin throughout our lives. And yes, we can't be perfect. But we can be holy. We can be free from the power of sin. We can begin to grow in the practices that reflect the fact that we belong to the Lord. There is power in the blood of Jesus to free us from sin. And that means that by the work of Christ you've been given the power to overcome sin and live a life of holiness. Sin used to be your master. It used to bind you so that you were helpless. But for all of you who are are in Christ, you have been freed from the vain, sinful, and empty ways of the past. And you have a hope for holiness. Now when we have put all of our effort, all of our emotion into a task, it's not uncommon to say something like, I put my blood, sweat, sweat, and tears into this job right maybe you've said that before it's a way of saying that you have put your whole self on the line you have given all that you are to see a task accomplished to start a business to finish a degree to raise a child and while blood sweat and tears have no monetary value they are emblematic of the costliness of the sacrifice you make, the value of your own life poured into seeing a task accomplished. As those who have been called to be holy, we should pursue holiness with such dedication that we might say, I have put my blood, sweat, and tears into being holy, into being like my Father. But what our text is teaching us this morning is that our hope for holiness is not derived from the costly sacrifice that we make of our own lives to follow Christ, but rather that Christ, in His desire to make you holy, poured out His own blood, sweat, and tears. For it is His blood, His life, that is our hope for holiness. Again, look at verses 18 and 19. Peter says, Knowing that you were ransomed... From the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, all Christians are called to pursue holiness knowing that it has been won for them. It has been purchased for them by the precious blood of Jesus. You see, if we would seek holiness according to our own blood, our own effort, we would quickly realize that we do not have the power or the purity in our blood to win the prize of holiness. We are naturally anemic towards holiness. But the blood of Jesus is of such worth that it gives us great hope. When Peter says that the blood of Jesus is precious here in verse 19, what he means is is that it has great value. The blood of Jesus is of the highest worth or quality because it is the worth of God Himself. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. The Son of God died not only as a man, but as man and God. For in the one person of Jesus, the divine and human natures are inseparably joined together. So that in Acts 20:28 20, we read that God obtained the church with His own blood. You see, the work to cleanse a people, to make them holy, was accomplished by the infinitely valuable blood of God Himself. For when Jesus died on the cross... God Himself died on the cross and poured out His infinitely worthy and powerful blood. That is your hope that you will be holy. That God put His blood, sweat, and tears to the task. This blood is not only precious because it is of such great worth, but also because it is of such great purity. The text says that the blood of Christ is like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. As I'm sure that each and every one of you here remember from our study of the book of Numbers. I'll test you on it. That to maintain daily communion with the Lord. An offering had to be made. And the offering is spelled out with these same words. Each day, a lamb without blemish was to be offered before the Lord. A sacrifice, an atonement made so that sin might be covered through the shedding of blood. And Peter is saying that we have a hope of holiness Not because we have poured out our effort, but because Jesus has become the atoning sacrifice to cover over our sin. He was without sin. He lived a life completely free from rebellion and transgression. And so his blood is completely pure. We have a hope of holiness because this blood has been offered to us. The value and purity of His blood is of such great worth that there is no way that it will not accomplish its goal. You might think that you have put a lot of effort into being like Christ, but Jesus has put much more for He has poured out His blood into seeing that you become holy. And if God has given us this gift, would He hold back from us anything else that we need to be like Christ? As Paul says in Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For our hope for holiness is the price that has been paid. The work that has been done. For why would such a price be paid if the goods were not procured? Why pour out the precious blood of Jesus if holiness is not to be accomplished? God the Father would not be so cavalier with the blood of God the Son any more than any of you would be cavalier with the life of your own child. You see, the hope that we have that we will be holy is the infinite worth and absolute purity of the blood of Jesus Christ that was paid that we might be holy. Our hope of holiness is that the blood of Jesus Christ frees us. Our hope of holiness is that the blood of Jesus Christ is precious. And the final thing I want you to see is that our hope for holiness is that the blood of Jesus is imperishable. That is, the blood of Jesus is life without end. Look at verses 20 and 21. There we read that Jesus in His role as a lamb without spot or blemish, Jesus in His role as the one who would atone for our sins, that He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory. So that your faith and hope are in God. Now in this verse, Peter is setting up a contrast between what he calls in verse 18 perishable things such as silver or gold and the imperishable blood of Jesus. Here, Peter makes it clear that Christ as an atoning sacrifice was known in this role even before the foundation of the world, Even before the world was made, God the Father and God the Son had an intention to save a people out of their sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In eternity past, it was God the Father and God the Son who planned to save His people from their sins. As Peter explained on the day of Pentecost, Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Yet this contrast continues between perishable and imperishable. For Peter goes on to say that following the death of Christ, God raised Him from the dead and gave Him the glory of His eternal life. You see, gold and silver or whatever earthly valuables you put forward, are going to fade away. They weren't there before the world was made, and they will fade in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are transient. They are decaying. They will not last. But the blood of Jesus was poured out, and when He went to the grave, It did not stay in the grave, but he overcame death. He defeated death and God's Holy One did not see one bit of decay. His blood is imperishable. We have a hope for holiness because the blood of Jesus will never lose its power to provide life. From before the foundation of the world it stood as the hope for redemption and into glory everlasting the blood of Jesus will flow with eternal life. For the imperishable nature of the blood of Christ is why we need not continually make sacrifices before the Lord to cover our sin and regain holiness. We don't need day in and day out to offer a lamb without spot or blemish. Because the Lamb of God has poured out His imperishable blood. Christ died once and for all, and now His blood eternally stands as our hope for holiness. For Christ died once and for all. We do not need to make sacrifices. We do not need to provide a covering for our own sin. For as verse 21 concludes, your faith and hope are in God. They're not in you. They're not in your power. Your hope for holiness is not you. Your hope for holiness is Christ. This is the point that Peter has been laboring to make. It is the point that I pray you understand this day, that you would pursue holiness with all that you are and all the power that you have, that you would not give up, that you would not think that it is unattainable, but not based upon the fact that you have such power towards holiness, but based upon the fact that Jesus poured out His blood for you, that you might be holy. Now this morning, we come to the communion table. And we come to receive in faith the body and the blood of Jesus Christ with all of His benefits. Now it's important for us to understand that we do not come to receive physically the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The bread and the wine do not physically turn into the body and blood of Jesus. For by His imperishable blood, it's impossible that He should be sacrificed again. However, We do believe that more is happening in this sacrament than a mere remembering of what Jesus did on the cross. The power of the sacrament is not just that you can think about what Jesus did and then give yourself the power to be holy. You see, in communion, we believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ are spiritually present. That means that while the juice remains juice, the Holy Spirit so unites the cup with the blood of Christ so that when you receive it in faith, you are receiving all the blessings and all the power of Christ's blood. When you hear the Word of God that proclaims that the blood of Christ frees you from sin and then receive the cup, you are truly receiving the power of that freedom given to you by the blood of Christ when you look to the promise of God's Word and faith that His blood is precious, that it is pure, then by the cup you receive the infinitely valuable and precious blood and purity of Jesus Christ. And when you drink in faith, hoping in the imperishable blood of Jesus, the power of that imperishable, eternal life-giving blood is given to you. For even as Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Communion isn't magic, but it is supernatural. It doesn't physically contain the body and blood of Jesus, but it spiritually imparts all the benefits of His body and blood to those who receive it in faith. So as we come to the table this morning, receive the blood of Jesus as a tangible sign that our hope for holiness is not in the sacrifices that we make, but rather our hope for holiness is in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ alone. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to him now in prayer. Father God, throughout the history of the church, those who are on earth are called the church militant, the church that is in warfare, the church that is fighting. And we come to You this morning, O God, and we proclaim to You that we are seeking to be holy. We desire to be like Your Son, Jesus Christ. We seek to fight the good fight. But we also proclaim before You that we have no power to accomplish this goal. And so we look in faith and in hope to Jesus Christ alone and to His blood. May all the benefits and power of His blood be given to us now. That we might approach the table in faith. That we might believe the promises of Your Word. And we might walk in the power of holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.